welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everybody. And uh, it's good to be with you here this morning. We're going to open up our Bibles. If you have a Bible, uh, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 32. Um, the message notes will be in your program today, as well as on our Version Bible app uh, that you can pull out and look at the notes in there, um, type things down that the Lord may be speaking to you or observations that the Lord brings to light uh, to you this morning. And so today we're going to be continuing our series on double blessings, as you've heard about uh, multiple times this morning, and we're going to be uh, talking about a battling desire, and uh, we're going to look at how God's desire is to bless us. And so this morning, uh, I'm going to take just kind of a poll here this morning. How many of you have siblings? Let me see your hands. You have a sibling? Okay. Now, you put your hands down. How many of you have been accused of being the favorite child? Let me see your hands. Okay. Hey, I'm raising my hand too. I've been accused of that. My older brother, my older sister have both accused me of being the favorite child. And so my response is simply this. When you're good, you're good. I mean, it's just, that's just the way it goes, right? And so, um, and I don't know if some, some people might not admit this, but maybe uh, spouses or, or can admit this or a child can admit this, but uh, any mama's boys in the room, any mama boys, amen. I'm raising my hand. I'm proud. Amen. Amen. That's right. Well, this morning, we're going to look at a very interesting story about a man named Jacob. Jacob is, has got a very interesting story. He is, uh, he's got a brother named Esau in the Bible in Genesis, the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. He's got a brother named Esau. His brother Esau is favored by his father, Isaac, but Jacob is favored by his mother, Rebecca. And so Jacob is a mama's boy. Amen. Right? And so there are a lot of crazy things that happen in Jacob's life. And so if you are a person who knows the Bible, I'm going to challenge you this morning to read this story and listen to this story as if you were hearing this for the very first time, because there is quite a lot of humor involved in this story. And there's a lot of twists and turns and things that just flat out don't make any sense. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at the life of Jacob and how God's desire was to bless him. And it comes in a number of ways that doesn't really make sense. And so Jacob is known to be a patriarch of the nation of Israel. He's a very important uh, character uh, for the people of Israel. Um, he's got a crazy life and how things have unfolded in his life. He's, uh, he's, uh, he was born at the same time Esau was born. Esau came out first, and then Jacob comes out first, or second, and he's grabbing his, his brother's heel, like he's grabbing a hold of it as he's coming out of the womb, and that's how he got his name, is Jacob. It's heel grabber, basically, and uh, it's quite an interesting uh, name for, for somebody to do that, but that's, um, that's the, what, he's, what his name is, and so if your name's Jacob, please don't get insecure about your name today. That is not my goal. That is not my intention. This is just the, the Bible. I'm reading it as it says, okay? Um, and so he, he has, uh, like I said, he's not favored necessarily by his father. Isaac preferred Esau. 
his mom, Rebecca, preferred Jacob. And so Esau is the one that's supposed to gain all this inheritance from his father when his father would pass on and be blessed by his father. And so Jacob is very clever. He finds ways to steal things from his older brother, right? There's this sibling rivalry going on, and the youngest is trying to prove that he's the better one. And so he somehow, some way, we read a, a story about how he's able to convince his brother Esau to sell him his birthright by food. How many know food talks? If you're a parent in the room, you know to teenagers, food talks, right? And so he is able to uh, get his uh, brother's birthright. He then uh, has a clever way, as well as his mother has a clever way, Rebecca, to get the blessing to him rather than to Esau. And so he impersonates his brother Esau. His dad is pretty much blind, can't see. And so there's a way they do it. I'm not going to get all the details for the sake of time. But he gets the blessing from his father. Um, And Esau finds out about this. And he's angry. He's mad. And he's actually making threats. And his mother, Rebecca, hears about these threats, sends him off to his uh, sends him off to her brother Laban, who is his, un- is his uncle. And during this time, he's working because he wants to marry a girl named Rachel. And his uncle is, is just as terrible as probably some of the things Jacob has done. He actually somehow is able to get Jacob to marry his older daughter Leah, not Rachel. And so this obviously aggravates Jacob a lot. And so Jacob then comes back to Laban and said, hey man, you know that kind of thing you pulled on me that was not very nice. I still want to marry your daughter, Rachel. And so uh, how many know, I'm so glad God uses crazy people in crazy situations, you know? Like this is just wild to say the least. And so, um, so he's able to eventually marry Rachel, which is the person he wanted to marry in the first place. And so then he starts to gain wealth under his uncle and he's starting to gain a whole lot of wealth that his... Um, his Laban's family notices this, and they're kind of getting mad because they take it as he's stealing from our family. So they get mad. So then God calls Jacob to then go back to the land of Canaan, which is where Esau is. And so Jacob's like, all right, pack my bags. And he leaves, and he's on his way, hoping that this bitterness that Esau had towards Jacob has now subsided, and it's over. And so Jacob is trying to get the inside information, the inside scoop, Um, and finds out from some messengers, Esau is actually coming to him. And Esau is bringing with him 400 men. How many know that would frighten you, right? That's like, oh my goodness, like this is not a good situation. And, And so Jacob is at a point where he can no longer run because it would be pointless because, again, Jacob has earned a lot of wealth. He has been blessed. He's got a, a big family. And so it's not just easy as just pack your bags into a, uh, a minivan and just take off. That's not going to work because he could try to run, but he's not going to get very far with Esau coming at this point, especially with 400 men. So Esau, or Jacob is very, you know, he's very concerned. His, his, the security of his family is now at stake. And so he's concerned. He doesn't know how this is going to go. He doesn't know the attitude of Esau. He's assumed the worst because this is just a clear red flag, 400 men coming. That's not a good situation for him to be in. And so there are a couple of battles that Jacob is going to go through in this story. And then we're going to see how he comes out in the third point today. The first point is this, is that it's a lonely battle. In verse uh, 22, 
through the first part of 24. Let's, let's pick it up here. So that night, Jacob got up after hearing all about what was going to happen, took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Yabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And I'm going to stop there for right now, but it's important to know that what he is crossing is Yabbok. Usually when they gave a name to like a river or a place, there was a purpose behind it. And so the, as you can see here, we kind of get an idea of what Jacob is thinking, what's going through his mind, because the name of this, this water, Yabbok, is basically an indication as to what's going on with Jacob. Yabbok means emptying, empty. So Jacob is at a point of where he knows that he's assumed the worst, something bad's about to happen, and so he is just at a loss. Because again, Jacob, time after time after time, everything just seems to work out for him, right? I mean, if he's not being able, if he's not able to make it happen, his mother's able to make it happen, right? And so it's like over and over again, Jacob finds himself in these situations, terrible situations, and it just always seems to work, except for this time. This time, he is having an issue where he doesn't have any control. There's no way that he could have control over the situation. And not only is his life on the line as he feels, so is his family's life. And so he's concerned. And, and so at this point, he's left alone with his thoughts. Have you ever been left alone with your thoughts, right? Have you ever been in a place where you're just like, I got to think? And so he pushes everybody away. He pushes them across this area, and he's all alone, and he's empty. And so this time, this, this situation's different. And he feels trapped, like so many people today could feel trapped. You feel trapped in your insecurity. You feel trapped in the, the addiction. You feel trapped in a number of different situations that you're not able to control. You're trapped in, in your pain because you, every time that you try to get past the pain, you try to get past the addiction, you try to get past the insecurity, it always seems to find its way back to you again. And it makes you feel the exact same way every single time, lonely and afraid. And this is a lonely battle that he's dealing with, internally especially, where he's like, I got no answer. I got nothing left. I can't do anything. There's nothing I got going for me now. And everything is on the line. His self-sufficiency used to get him through any situation, but now that doesn't work. It's not going to happen. And so this is a lot of times what people do, especially what Jacob did. They withdraw. Withdraw from church, they'll withdraw from people, they'll withdraw from a small group, they'll withdraw from God. Because why? Because they're dealing with something that time and time again, they've tried certain things, and every time, it doesn't work. It's just like this one thing, this one issue, this one problem, or it could be multiple problems, just never seems to, I can never seem to overcome it. It just seems to always Trick, back in its, trick its way back into my life, and I end up falling short again. And it's just like over and over and over, we withdraw, you know? And it says, you know, for us to, to pay attention to some of these things, however, because this is a great place for God to do his greatest work, is when you're empty, when you're at the end of the road, when you feel like there's no more I can do. You're in a perfect position for God to do his greatest work, to give you his greatest blessing for your life. That's the perfect position for God to do his work. 
to no longer rely on yourself, but fully depend on God. This is the place where Jacob is. And let's begin to read this in verse, the second part of verse 24. And it says, And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Talk about a strange thing that just happened. Okay? Remember, read this like it's the first time. He's left alone. The Bible, the text has made that super clear. He's alone. And then it says, And a man wrestled with him. Where in the world did this man come from? Right? It's like this guy just, poof, is in the picture, in the scene. And he's wrestling with Jacob, right? Because what, what happens is this. It's, you know, we can read this as, so Jacob was left alone, period. So Jacob was afraid, period. Jacob was an addict, period. Jacob was depressed, period. But watch what this text says. It, t- it takes a complete 180. It says, comma, and a man was wrestling with him till daybreak. Some people will put a period where God put a comma. It says it's not over. When you feel that way, it does not mean it's over yet. It's a comma. It's not a period. This is where a lot of people will put a period at the end of the sentence and say, I'm just depressed. I'm just lonely. I'm just, I got no joy anymore. And God says, hold on a second. I'm not done yet. In fact, my greatest blessing is on the other end of this. If you'll just keep fighting. And this is such an important reminder to us as we look at this, the battle for God's blessing. It says, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. At first, we just, that's all we know is the man, uh, in verse 25, saw that he could not overpower him. We're learning a little bit about this man now. He touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. So now we're getting an idea that this dude is pretty powerful, okay? It's like he's not just grabbing somebody and dislocating his shoulder and using his force to do that. He touches it, and automatically pain is increased significantly in Jacob, okay? It's like, whoa, like where did this come from? They got a random dude that just showed up, and now they're in this wrestling match. And why in the world are they spending so much time wrestling when the guy is so strong, so powerful, he touches, he just touches Jacob. And it dislocates his hip. I mean, that's painful. Have you, has anybody had dislocated elbows or anything like that? That is, you know what I'm talking about. That is painful, to say the least. And so then I'm asking the question, why in the world is, is it necessary to dislocate a guy's hip? I mean, come on, like that just seems crazy to me. And so it says, when he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. So it sounds like the man's in control, but then he's saying, Jacob, let go of me. So it's like, wait a minute, what's what's really going on? What's this? This is getting confusing now. I thought this man would be in control because he seems more powerful. He touches somebody and he immediately dislocates body parts. I mean, this is like unreal power. And then it says, but, but Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So, so Jacob's starting to see something. He's starting to experience like this guy is very powerful in the midst of pain. And then it says, the man asked, what is your name? Okay, so now these guys are fighting with each other and they don't even know each other's names. I mean, how weird is that, right? Have you ever thought, like, 
I mean, read this like fresh, with fresh eyes. If you've read this before, read this with fresh eyes. This is not, this is getting confusing. It's getting weird, right? You got two guys that are fighting with each other for, it seems like, a significant amount of time, and they don't even know each other's names. Like, come on, you could have at least greeted each other. Hello, I'm Jacob. Hello, I'm God. Let's wrestle, right? And it's like, that would have been helpful, right? But no, there's no introduction. It's, it's just the way it is. And it says, the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. So now we see who's really in control. The man is giving a name change. That is determining factor as to who is actually in control. It's the man that's in control. It's not him overcoming God, overpowering God. No, 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 no. It's not overpowering God. That basically, one theologian put it this way. The longer Jacob struggled, the less of Jacob's characteristics were there. They were, they were decreasing. Jacob, the longer he fought, the longer he battled, the less of Jacob remained. It was actually a transformation that was happening in his life. And this is such a beautiful image about what it takes to fight for God's blessing. Because, you know, as I was thinking about this idea of like, why the hip? Why dislocate a man's hip and it becomes so bad? Because, you know, and I just thought of this. I thought, God, you're testing his work ethic. You're testing him. You're testing him to see how bad he wants it. Because this man is so self-sufficient. He's so just used to taking control over every situation. He's so used to being in charge that he's just, any situation he can get himself out of. Now God's testing him to say, what do you do when you don't have control? Who are you? And it's testing his work ethic. So many people say, I want God's blessing. Yes, but you've got to have a worth ethic to maintain that blessing that God has for you. You know, I heard it this way. You can have a hundred, you can have a million dollar dream, but a hundred dollar work ethic. And you'll never accomplish that dream with a hundred dollar work ethic. You know, it's like this. Let me put it in a different way. You know, when I was little, I hated broccoli. I hated green beans. And my parents got smart. You know, they started to catch on to my tactics when I was sitting at the dinner table and I would eat that broccoli. I put that green bean in my mouth. I wouldn't chew, right? You wouldn't chew. You would just leave it there. And my mom would start to catch on, and she would just look at me, and she would say, swallow, right? <laughs> she would say that. She would say, swallow. And especially when my dad would say, swallow, I'm like, yes, sir, right away. And you just swallow, right? And, um, and I would swallow it because they would keep telling me, swallow it because it's healthy, and that's where the nutrition is. And sometimes, you know, we have to look at it and say, is, if this is healthy for me to receive, then maybe I need to swallow, right? <laughs> in a sense. I'm just trying to lighten the mood because some of us, you know, I'm not trying to offend anybody in here about their work ethic or anything. I'm just saying, if it's healthy, right, swallow. And so for me, it's been tested on a number of different times where it's like, God, I really want your blessing, but then, but there are so many things in my life that have to change on the inside in order for me to be able to maintain and to receive the blessing that God has for me. And this is the way, is go, what is going on in the middle of this whole scene, is that Jacob may have thought he was done, but he really wasn't done. God wasn't done with him. He had a, had a, had a work ethic. He was stubborn, and he was so self-sufficient as could possibly be as a human. He was so self-sufficient in himself 
This is where a lot of people are. How do you, how do you reach a non-Christian when they don't have any need for God? They have everything they ever want. How do you reach a non-Christian like that? A person who doesn't believe in God. I got money. I got a job. I got a house. I got a family. I got cars. I got everything I ever need. God sometimes may bring you to a place where you can no longer rely on yourself just so that he can get your attention because he cares too much about you and he loves you too much to let you go. He wants to change your life in a way you never thought was possible. Change a part of your life you didn't even know needed to be changed because this is what can happen. You can become like Jake. You become so stubborn that you don't need anybody, including God. I got this. It's all on me. But really, God is saying, no, 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 no. I want to change your life. You have no idea what I have in store for you. If you would just submit your will to mine, I will show you. This is where Jacob is. He's at a place where he's, he's so reliant upon himself. But I love what it does because, you know, what God does. He takes his stubbornness. He takes this self-sufficient man to fully just be so reliant upon God in this time, that God takes that stubbornness, that work ethic, and he transforms it into a positive. How does God, you know, usually we look at stubbornness as like a negative thing. How does God take a person who's so stubborn that, that God can turn that somehow into a positive? Because what? He wouldn't let go. He wouldn't let go. Even in the midst of severe pain, he would not let go. Because why? Because he wanted this situation to be transformed. And God said, it's not the situation that needs to change. It's actually you. And this is where a lot of people get focused on. God changed my situation. And God wants to change your situation. Trust me, he does. But maybe the first step is not the situation. Maybe the first step is you. Maybe you need to change first so that you can maintain the blessing that he has for you on the other side. And this is where push comes to shove. We submit our ways to the Lord, because it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, when your work ethic gets tested. It's difficult, you know, to change that work ethic. And I challenge you, and this is what I fully believe, Christian people should be the hardest working people on the planet. They should be the hardest working person on the planet. I don't care if you're pushing carts, you're counting money, you're, you're looking at charts on a screen, you should be the hardest working person on the planet. Why? Because the Bible's very clear, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. You're not working for a paycheck. You're working for the king. And when you do that, when you have that mindset that changes, you aren't, you aren't fidgeting with money and stealing any money. Because you know why? Because it doesn't belong to you. And you know why? Because stealing is not a good thing. It changes your character. It changes your integrity. You know? It's like, no, I'm not going to do that this way. I'm not going to you know, shortcut the thing. I'm not going to do things that are illegal simply because why? Because I'm working for the king and I'm going to put every, every amount of energy I have into my job because you know what? People are watching me and they're watching you. And they, when they see you slack and they identify you as a Christian, it's hard for them to say, well, I thought they loved God. Aren't they supposed to do the right thing? Aren't they supposed to always be in line with God's word and stuff? It confuses people. And that's why I believe Christian people should be the hardest working people on the planet. Because you are not just working for a supervisor or trying to earn a company money. You are trying to please the king of kings. 
And this is such an important principle to get in mind. And for younger people, young people in here, you are amazing. You are doing things that we never thought people would imagine have ever been doing. But there's a lot of times in our culture and mentality that we want something that our parents have that took our parents 30 years to receive. Where is your work ethic? Where is it? Challenge yourself that God has more for you, but you've got to get in the weeds sometimes and start digging. And a lot of times what happens is when a door closes, we say, well, I'm done. I'm paying. That, that hurt. But you've got to be like, Jacob, no, I'm not letting go of my dream. I'm not letting go of what God has called me to do. Because I believe in God, even though if the door closes, you know what? It may not be the enemy closing the door. It may not be you closing the door. It may not be a person closing that door. It actually could be God closing that door so that he can broaden the view of what you're looking at and see the bigger picture of what's going on. So many times we think God's got to do it this way. I've got to pursue my calling that way. And God closes that door simply to show you, no, you need to step out a little bit and see the bigger view, the bigger picture. That's what needs to happen first. That was free. So there you go. Um, <laughs> so a lot of times what happens is we, we want the blessing, but we have to actually ask ourselves, as you're reading the story, you have to ask yourself, do I really want that? <laughs> I mean, what Jacob went through it seemed pretty, pretty challenging. Do I really want God's blessing? That's the thought that came across my mind as I'm reading this. I'm like, this is getting nuts. Like, I mean, this is painful what he's going through. But you know what? Change is painful, isn't it? Everybody talks about change. Everybody loves change until God comes knocking on your heart and says, it's time for you to change. And then all of a sudden, we hate the word change, right? It's just like, it's a word that we don't even want in our vocabulary anymore. Because why? It's always easy to evaluate everybody else's life and say, that needs to change, this needs to change. Then God comes knocking on your door and says, nope, your turn. And it's like, what do I decide then? And this is such an important reminder to us is to, do I really want God's blessing? So what did Jacob overcome in that moment? He overcame himself. He overcame himself. He had to change his he had to change the way he was living his life. The characteristics, they all had to change and he had to empty himself. And that's basically what happens. He gets a name change. Because that produced a, that basically is saying to him, I'm in charge, Jacob, not you. And now we see Jacob starting to act a little differently. The next day, the last point is this, the battle scars. This is how he comes out of it. Verses 29 through 32, it says, Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. No kidding, that would hurt. Therefore, to this day, The Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. See, the Bible's full of fun facts, people. This is amazing. Look at that. Fun facts. All right? But what's interesting is, like, it's like a common courtesy as I'm reading this. It's like, okay, the guy asks for Jacob's name. Jacob gives it to him. Jacob's like, okay, what's your name? Because why? Jacob's mindset is the name shows me who they are. It shows me what kind of person they are. It shows me the kind of identity they've been given. And this is, what, this is what's going on, is, is this. The guy says, why do you care about my name? What, why, why do you need to know that? Because it's simply this. God goes by many names. God goes by many names. You need him to be your provider, he'll be your provider. You need him to be your strength, he'll, he'll be your strength for you. 
Do you need him to help you? He will help you. Do you need him to be your savior? He will be your savior. Do you need him to be your Lord? He'll be your, he will be your Lord. Do you need him to be king? He will be king. What do you need him to be? He is the I am, which means he is everything you absolutely need. Everything you absolutely need. So he doesn't have just a name. He has many names. Because why? He's fulfilling need after need after need. And he can do it all. This is why Jacob's probably a little confused, and maybe you were a little confused at first. It's like, why is, why is this guy being stubborn and not giving his name? It's because he goes by many names. He goes by many. Because why? He's everything you will ever need. Even in those moments when you have lost all control, he is everything you will absolutely need. And as I've read this, you know, I started to think, I wonder, I wonder how big that scar was. Because, I mean, my goodness, that would hurt, right? I've said that several times. And I wonder the size of that scar, because it was obvious something had happened, and I wonder what his family was looking at him and was like, is he, is he like accident prone? Because we left him alone for one night, just one night, and now he's limping, right? It's like, is this dude accident prone? I'm not going to ask if anybody's accident prone because that just, you know, that, that wouldn't be a good thing. And people will probably start making fun of you. That's okay. But it's like, what in the world is going on with Jacob? But they notice something that Jacob has, is a little different. He's starting to act a little different. He's a new creation, as we call it. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, the old is gone, the new has come. When you submit your life to Christ, when you submit your will to Christ. And that's just not a life choice. That's a daily choice for a lot of us. When you are submitting your ways to the Lord constantly, it produces something new in, God, in, in you. And what's so interesting is, you know, as I read the, the book Double Blessing, Mark Batterson put a good statement in here. He said, I don't trust a leader if they don't limp. I don't trust a leader if they don't limp. That means they're either avoiding struggles and the hard stuff, or who knows. But I don't trust them if they're not limping because it is work. It is hard. But you know what? It is worth it. And that's the point this whole thing is about. And if you read in Genesis chapter 33, you see how the story unfolds. Esau is actually happy to see Jacob. And then if you read Genesis 33, you see Jacob flipped the blessing. He used to be the one to try to get things for himself, and now he's blessing his brother. He's giving the blessing to his brother. He's sharing it because it's not just about him and his kingdom anymore. It's about God's kingdom now. But if you read this story about Jacob's life afterwards, it's kind of interesting because you're thinking like, wow, smooth sailing. Everything's just going to be okay. It was anything but smooth for Jacob after this. One, one scenario. He has... Uh, there is a man that's not a part of their family who rapes one of Jacob's daughters. You talk about horrific. Jacob's uh, two sons take matters into their own hands, and they go into the village of where this man was from. They not only kill him, they kill all males in that village, every single one. So now you got men committing murder, and they're your family members, right? It's like, holy cow, like this just like exploded in, 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 a, in a terrible situation, right? And they didn't let there be any justice whatsoever. They just took matters into their own hands. So it's a little crazy what they did. And then you see a, a person named Rachel, his wife, who, he, remember, he loved her. And the Bible is very clear that he loved her a lot. And then it says she dies from pains, uh, the complications in childbirth. She dies. 
And then you see a, a, his sons get mad at the favorite son, Joseph, because they knew Joseph was the favorite. And so what did they do? They, they sell him into slavery. He, they then come back to their father and say, oh, Joseph died. You know, and so they faked his death to only to, to, I mean, it's like a crazy situation. It's like this man's life just like got more complicated, it looked like, right? But then all of a sudden, remember we sang a song this morning, if you, we take the enemy, what the enemy does for evil, God turns around for our good. Here's the story right here, is that God took a bad situation and turned it around for his glory. What actually looked horrific and terrible about what his brothers did to their, uh, to their brother Joseph actually saved their family because Joseph rose in the ranks in the nation of Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world at the time, and then he becomes the second person, uh, uh, basically the right-hand man of the, of the Pharaoh of that time. He becomes so powerful in just a matter of, uh, of years, he becomes powerful, and it actually saves Jacob's family in the end. But what's so amazing about this is that we have to understand what the blessed life really looks like. It's not just everybody just gets along and high-fives each other and, and people like one another and, and everything's just smooth. Nothing bad happens to me anymore. That is a wrong perspective. That is not what this life is. It means that God's going to see you through every situation and he's going to show you the, the bigger picture and you're going to have an eternal impact and heaven's rejoicing and, help and, and cheering for you to be a part of this. Heaven is cheering for you. And I believe as I drove into uh, church today, you know, this phrase came across my brain. And I believe it was the Lord. He said, some people have got some battle scars. And they've quit in the game. They need to get back in again. They need to get back in. They need to start fighting again. And yes, there's been hurt. There's been pain. And you've got some scars to prove it. But God is calling you to say, get back in the game because I'm not finished with you. I'm not done with you. I got so much more for you. And heaven is cheering you on, asking you, will you join back in the fight again? Because they are cheering for you because there's something amazing that God has in store for you. And often we can have a narrow mindset of what blessing looks like, but blessing of God is going to have an eternal impact. Because remember, Jacob's life was all about him. It was about building his own kingdom. Now he's building God's kingdom because guess what? The nation of Israel has somehow, some way, obviously through the power of God, has made it through generation after generation after generation after generation. People have come and gone. People groups have risen and have fallen. But somehow, some way, this nation of Israel, this people group, continuously make it through every storm. Why? Because it's an a example and a reminder that God is on the throne. And God is in control. And Jacob's legacy outlasted him and his own family. It's lasting even to present day, the effects of what has happened throughout his life. You see, that's the same story that God has for you. It's not only going to affect you and the family that you have, it's going to affect generations farther than you could ever imagine was possible. I doubt Jacob thought that he would ever see iPhones. That wasn't on his radar. But that's how far his impact has, has come is that God has taken this, what he has blessed him with, and said, it's not just your blessing now. You've got to share that blessing. And when you share that blessing, it has an eternal impact for future generations. 
God wants to use people. God's desire is to bless people. But the question is, do you really want it? Do you really want it? And if you want it, it's time for something to change inside of us in order to receive it. And this starts with some people giving their life to the Lord. For some people, it may be a situation that you've been dealing with time after time after time. God is telling you, I will bless you, but first you need to change something inside of you. And I don't know what that is. That could be anything. It could be a number of different things. You know, with Jacob, he was so, he was so, just so passionate and he had such a strong work ethic and it scared the enemy's plans to death. You know, because why? Because he was working so hard for his own self. Now he's working so hard to please God and to honor God and look what happened. He fooled with the enemy's plans. The enemy, the devil, yours, he is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy your soul. Nothing scares the devil more when somebody is so, so passionate, they don't even care anymore what anybody thinks of them. For Jacob, he thought he was done. But there was still a little bit left within him to say, I don't care. I am not letting go until I receive something from God. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what they say to me. I don't care the plans they try to disrupt in my life. I'm going to keep going. That's a dangerous person to the enemy is when somebody starts living that way. I don't care if I get rejected if I witness. I don't care if I, if I get rejected when I ask for somebody to come to church. I don't care anymore. That's a dangerous person to the enemy's plans. And this is such a beautiful passage that's laid out for us this morning. And so with, with everyone heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here, and um, I want to make this quick for the time so that we can spend with our small groups signing up and being a part of something that's bigger than us. And this is where we put self-sufficiency down is when we get involved in a small group. It's no longer relying on yourself to have all the answers. It's no longer relying on everything that you know. It's laying it all down to the Lord. This is why we do small groups, because it's a way for us to share. It's a way for us to encourage. It's a way for us to be challenged. But if you're here this morning, first off, you say, Lord, today I, just, I need something to change in my life. God, I'm desiring your blessing. And God, I'm saying today that I really want it. As I'm reading this, I maybe had a narrow mindset of what blessing looks like. But God, I'm recommitting to the fact that I'm saying, Lord, I really, really want the the blessing that you have for me. I really want that blessing. And I don't know where it's going to take you. I have no idea. But you know what? God's going to be with you. And it's going to affect future generations. If that's you this morning, just slip up your hand and say, Lord, I'm recommitting myself to this blessing just like me. I'm raising my hand. I'm saying, Lord, I want this blessing. Yes, Lord. It may be hard, but I want this blessing. I want this. I want it. I want it so bad that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to lay my self-sufficiency down. Thank you so much for your honesty. If you're here today and you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ through confession and belief, this morning, I just want you to simply do this for us. If you could just slip up your hand, just like I had that last group do. If you're here today, you say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. I'm surrendering my life to you this morning. If anyone is here, we want to give you a second to do just that. We don't want to miss anybody. Thank you so much. Let's stand here this morning, church.